this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Deputy Editor. Joining us today to continue our discussion on the large widebody segment is Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant of Cargo Facts Consulting. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you, Jeff and Andrew. Pleasure. So we've seen a few more deals involving the next generation of large wide-body freighters since we last talked, um, and that includes both production freighters and conversions. That's right, Jeff. We had uh, Etihad with its MOU for seven A350Fs, Ethiopian's MOU for five triple seven eight fs uh, and CargoJet signing up for two more 777-200LRs and four more 300ER conversions presumably uh, done for, with Mammoth. Then there's also EVA's plans to convert three 777-300ERs with IAI. Jim, what do you make of this set of orders and commitments? These are all major cargo players. Yeah, I, I think it obviously reflects um, diversity of approaches by operators. Uh, I'm not completely surprised at EVA Air's uh, decision because uh, if you recall um, when they had uh, production 747-400Fs, they also opted for conversions from IAI. So they got a handful of BDSFs. So um, they've been this route before. And obviously the Dash 300 ER uh, converted freighter is uh, very capable, but uh, at a high level, um, I think, in, and it gets a little tricky in differentiating between firm orders and MOUs and options. and But by my count, I'm showing now the uh, 777-8F with about 39 orders of some type um, from two operators and the A350-F um, with 29 orders uh, from five operators so uh, or customers. So uh, the, the gap is closing a little bit, but uh, obviously with the uh, Etihad order for seven, uh, followed by the uh, 78A350Fs, followed by the Ethiopian order for five, um, the gap closes a little bit between the total uh, MOUs orders uh, between the Dash 8F and the A350F. Right, and um, I was going to say with Etihad, it's interesting um, because they have in the past past few years they've downsized their um freighter fleet haven't they and now they're they only have five triple sevens so with these new if they firm up the order um with these seven a350fs coming in um we'll see them expanding their freight operations again we don't know for sure that they are getting rid of the triple sevens um but in any case the seven a350s will uh, give them some some growth and with ethiopian i think that's also interesting because they're obviously the largest uh, freight operator in africa but um and they have nine um but i wouldn't be surprised if they take a hard or they are taking a hard look and they might commit um to the a350 freighter as well um given that they have the a350 on their passenger side um too. So it's it's yeah, this is a very interesting set of um potential customers for, for these new types. Um and with cargo jet, um it's going to be their entry into large wide bodies. 
and it sounds like they've got some very ambitious plans um, for that platform and more growth on the international stage as well. So it's all very, very exciting. Um, but looking at the operators with A350F commitments now, um, with Air France and Etihad uh, both being existing 777F users, uh, CMA, CGM all interestingly have both 777Fs and the A350F. <clears throat> and um, Singapore Airlines is replacing its 747-400Fs with the A350. So, you know, how important do you think it is that the A350 uh, has already been in passenger operations uh, for several years now with, with many of these operators? Well, I think it's an it's obviously an, an interesting and uh, from my experience, a little bit of an unusual situation in that uh, during my tenure, uh, Boeing was the one with the that was developing a freighter, a, a large wide body freighter after the uh, passenger version had been in service for a while. So, um, of course, we we attempted to leverage that because of the uh, uh, the success of the passenger version, and certainly the A350 passenger airplane has been uh, widely accepted and has experienced a lot of success. But, you know, the, an airline's familiarity and knowledge with an airplane counts for a lot. Um, it's in service. It's a known quantity. They're, the crews are familiar, the ground equipment, all those types of uh, situations um, lends to confidence of the operator in the airframe. And again, that was a situation that Boeing enjoyed. Uh, previously, and uh, I think to their advantage. Um, uh, however, uh, combination carriers are particular. You mentioned uh, Ethiopian, uh, that uh, they have A350s in service, yet they've ordered the 777-8F, but uh, uh, combination carriers uh, generally look at uh, similar airframe types to simplify crew assignments and parts and all that uh, all those issues that are so important to the success of the freighter operation. But uh, I should mention with that comment that uh, uh, two carriers, leading carriers in particular, uh, Lufthansa and Cathay Pacific in the past have uh, chosen uh, unique airplane types for their freighter fleet. Um, in Cathay's uh, situation, it was the, the uh, 747-8F that uh, was unique to their fleet, but uh, they chose it as their intercontinental uh, freighter. And in Lufthansa's uh, situation, it was both the MD-11F as well as the 777F, uh, neither of which they had in their passenger fleet. So uh, with all of the advantages uh, in uh, having a passenger airplane type in service and the proven uh, aspects of it, uh, there are combination carriers, leading combination carriers that uh, have made the decision to have a unique uh, large freighter type in their fleet and uh, with some success. So it's it's a very interesting situation. It counts for a lot. I can't deny that, um, but uh, it's not the end of the decision either. It's not necessarily a slam dunk if you have a successful passenger aircraft in your fleet and you've got a choice of freighter types um, that you'll necessarily revert to that uh, particular model. And at the same time, 
Boeing is continuing to bring in orders for the current 777 uh, from both existing and new customers. Um, Western Global, whose fleet really excites me, um, they, they have a large quantity of MD-11 fleets that they're still operating. They also have three uh, 747-400 freighters, um, but they have new 777s two firm uh, and one option. Um, DHL has acquired six more 777s and will eventually have 28 in total. Um, and there's this unidentified order for five more. Do you have any idea who, who might that customer be? I really don't, but I can offer some thoughts on uh, your comment regarding continued popularity of existing 777Fs. Um, when you consider that uh, at this point, it looks like the A350F will be in service uh, in 2025 and the 7788F uh, likely in 2027, um, there's, a, there's a timing gap. The market's growing, expanding. Uh, certainly more quickly than the passenger, but it's uh, it's got good, strong growth at the moment, and there's a, a dearth of lift, and so there's a timing issue for those that uh, want to expand and take advantage of the opportunities, and my recollection was even in working with uh, a large airline customers regarding the uh, 777F and the 478F, um, in that interim of several years, trying to develop the airplane and launch it, even after both of them were launched, um, we still, Boeing still sold uh, a couple dozen uh, 47-400F. So when there's a, a need for lift, um, the market's stronger um, and the lead time still uh, a ways out there, um, there's opportunities and uh, 777F has certainly proven itself um, as a good, solid, large freighter, very economical, very capable. And um, I, I have no firsthand knowledge, but my guess would be that uh, Boeing has to look at a bridge situation between the existing 777 line and the 777-8 and 9. And thus, um, there's going to be opportunities and deals uh, to fill that bridge lift. So, They've got a good product, the original 777F, and there are carriers that need the lift that take advantage of market opportunities. So I'm not real surprised at uh, um, at carriers that are placing orders that have had very good experience and have uh, a need for uh, newer airplane types before 2025 and 2027. With that said too, um, there's also slots. Um, that uh, present problems. So just because the, uh, as an example, the A3, A350 will be available in 2025, there's also passenger uh, aircraft that are being uh, produced as well. So you have to find the right slots in terms of timing for customers that want the freighters. So it doesn't mean that you have unlimited slots available uh, once the aircraft um, is in service. So there's a lot of considerations there, but it's not a real surprise that uh, there'll be continuing uh, sales of 777Fs before both the A350 and the 777-8F come into service. Right, it's uh, pretty interesting because now we, now that we know um, the timeline for that, we basically have um, a finite number of uh, slots that Boeing has for the current 777F 
this is partly why we're seeing new customers like Western Global coming in. Um, and I'm sure, like you said, Boeing is um, keen to, to sell more of those um, to bridge the gap between this and the 777-F. So we're looking forward to seeing who else uh, comes in with uh, 777-F orders. Um, and we're also looking forward to seeing if any of these uh, unidentified orders are, um, are new operators uh, of the 777-F. But speaking of the 777-F um, and comparing that with the A350, how would you kind of compare the, the influence of the existing 777-F's legacy uh, with the reputation that the A350 is has already earned uh, as, a, as a passenger aircraft um, when we're talking about the next generation of freighters? I think generally, um, both aircraft, both the 777-8F and the A350-F are very, very comparable. Um, there's some differences depending on assumptions that you make, um, but uh, I have to say, I would guess from Boeing's standpoint, they're viewing the A350-F as very formidable competition. And uh, uh, thus, um, it, 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 it's, uh, it really is going to depend the success of each aircraft on a whole variety of factors because the sales decision or the uh, purchase decision by freighter operators uh, is uh, so variable. There's so many different criteria um, besides just uh, comparison uh, analytics, uh, cost, capability. There's uh, there's situational. Where do you where do you need to fly those aircraft? What's your present fleet? What's your passenger fleet for those combination carriers that want more commonality? Uh, what are the corporate priorities? Uh, the timing, uh, you know, the A350F has a two-year advantage nominally over the 777-8F. Uh, obviously, at the end of the day, the deal and other deals. Um, what's going on on the passenger side? Lots of times, uh, carriers will want to package uh, a freighter deal with a, a passenger deal. So. There's so many different factors, but the bottom line is that both the 777-8F and the A350-F are very, very comparable. And uh, uh, I have to say that uh, Airbus obviously has put a lot of resources and uh, capability um, into, the, into the aircraft. Um, Crawford uh, Hamilton's presentation at uh, Cargo Facts Symposium last fall was uh, very indicative of that. And uh, it's obvious that uh, Airbus is paying attention to cargo and freighters and uh, again, are gonna be very, very formidable. So Boeing has a, uh, an unexcelled and an unequal legacy in freighters and cargo going back to their founding when they began with a mail plane in 1916. But, uh, Airbus obviously has been in the business since the A300 uh, conversion way back when um, and uh, has learned a lot uh, from their experience both with the A380F, which ultimately never came about, but uh, also the A330 um, production and conversion. So um, they're both very, very comparable, and it just really depends on what's most important, where you put your priority and uh, the uh, the assumptions made and uh, the corporate um, considerations. So, I mean, we're, we're comparing the 
A three fifty and then triple seven eight F fight. And I, I guess I'm curious just to see when will we really know who is winning the the competition for the for the freighters. Well, it's obviously an ongoing situation, and as uh, you mentioned at, at the to introduce this podcast, um, a lot's happened just in the month since we did the last podcast, uh, both on production, large wide body production freighters, as well as the the worthy converted candidates also. Um, so it, it it's kind of a work in progress. There's no um, a final um, you know determination. Um, but uh, obviously there's opportunities uh, uh, for carriers. I, I would look um, just as um, bellwethers, uh, the express carriers, certainly what FedEx does, what UPS does, DHL, um, the, the, uh, there's a number of, of both Asian and European operators I'd pay attention to. Uh, there really has been very few Asian orders, the Singapore order notwithstanding, but uh, I'd be looking at some leading uh, Asia and European operator and what they decide in terms of their fleet. The all freight carriers, another one, Cargo Lux, NCA, um, would have been ABC, VDA, <laughs> that, that uh, may be on hold for a while. But, uh, you know, there are carriers that kind of People watch, and uh, they are. There isn't a whole lot of of really, really significant carriers, and thus um, there's a handful that that are in play, and that will determine the success of each program. Um, I should mention too that uh, I'm looking forward to uh, CargoFax EMEA uh, in mid-May uh, as an opportunity, maybe for. Uh, carriers to announce uh, Farmborough uh, in in July is another um, uh, place where there may be order announcements, uh, and certainly our Cargo Facts Symposium in October in San Diego. So, you know, there's both timing and there's carriers that I would watch for. I would think uh, a year from now uh, we'll sure know a lot more about uh, where both programs are going. Uh, but it's it's a fierce competition now. There's no doubt about it. I mentioned uh, A350 with five customers and the 7788F with two large customers, and uh, that the uh, gap between the MOU orders are is is closing. So um, it, it's going to be very very interesting. But uh, you know there are carriers that you can kind of watch um, as a, a setting a trend. So. Right. I mean, we now have so many options to choose from in, in the large wide body space. Uh, it's completely different from several years back. Um, and meanwhile, we're one step closer to the end of the 747-8 um, with UPS about to take its final unit. And that means all that's left now is the order for four from Atlas Air. We're still very sad to see the end of the 747-8 production. Um, it, it, it's been an incredible platform. But on that note, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us um, and providing your experience and expertise. And that's all the time we have today. Uh, to those who are listening, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect. For more multimedia content like this, check out CargoFacts.com. 
and search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes, Spotify. Join us again next time. <laughs>